0: This is My Travel Reviews with Gary Bembridge, the travel podcast of first-hand experience by and for people with a passion for travel. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. This week on the podcast, My Travel Reviews, we're going to be looking at cruising and specifically tips for first-time cruisers. The reason for that is I have received an email from Mike Thomas based out of the UK. The email came as a result of a long-running blog that I've had called Cruise Links, which I'll give you the address a little bit later. This particular uh, blog has been picked up by a number of national newspapers in the UK, such as the Sunday Times, who's referred to it. Now, Mike has read a review I've written of the P&O cruise line which is owned ultimately by Carnival and I went on one of their ships Aurora and wrote a review of it. He picked up that review and asked for some tips for a first time cruiser. So I'm going to give you 10 top tips for that. so Mike here we go here for you and anybody else going on a cruise for the first time are my top 10 tips the first tip I have is research 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 it never ceases to amaze me the couple of times I've been on a cruise how badly prepared people who've never been have I've had crazy things like a lady on the last cruise I went on complaining about how big the ship was duh all you have to do is go and look at the sites, and you'll pretty much get an idea about the ship another example was when we were on the QE2 and the people on the table next to us complained about A. it was very rough which they would have found out if they had gone and done some research B. there was nothing to do which they could also find out by simply posting onto the various groups etc and find out the type of entertainment that was available because that was a real issue that they objected to So research, research, research. And other than looking at the individual cruise lines' specific sites, which generally are very good, largely because all cruise lines are owned either by Carnival or by Royal Caribbean, they tend to be very good. They let you take a look at deck by deck, pictures of the cabins, pictures of the restaurants. They're great. But of course, for a little bit more independent advice three really good sites to go and have a look at my personal favorite is cruisecritic.com which has a very very active community board and that's where i found out most of the stuff it tends to have a u.s cruise slant shiphappens.com tends to be a little bit more uk orientated Then there is cruisemates.com and cruisereviews.com. There are many, many sites and you'll often find lots of cross-posting. So research is my top tip number one. It's all about finding the right ship for you and knowing what to expect. The second tip I've got is whatever you do, do not worry about getting seasick, either before you go because it will ruin your trip or when you're on the ship. In reality, all the big ships like the one that Mike's going on, the Aurora, is so huge, they're so wide, and they do tend to be extremely stable in the water. And many of the routes that most people go on these days, like the Mediterranean or the Caribbean, they tend to be pretty calm anyway. But probably most importantly of all, if you do feel seasick, there are great things that you can do to get rid of it. My tip is to go to the chemist before you go and buy whatever seasick tablets that they recommend. Some people go in for other newfangled things behind the ear and wristbands but I would recommend go and get some seasick pills or motion sickness pills but actually don't take them only take them if you're feeling a bit queasy on the trip many of them work very quickly if you do actually get very ill zoom down to the medical center and ask for the jab this will absolutely definitely cure it there's a cost involved but only do that if you are really feeling rough It will knock you out for about seven hours, but you will feel fantastic after it. To be honest with you, the only time that um, either myself or my partners felt ill was when we were crossing the Atlantic in the middle of winter with 30 foot, 40 foot waves, and the ship is tossing about in a corkscrew fashion. It's really the corkscrew fashion that kind of makes people sick, I think. So that's what I would recommend. Don't worry about getting seasick. We fretted and fretted and fretted and found there was very, very good cures. The third tip I have is get to the port early and get on the ship as early as you can if it's the first time you've been on the ship or your first time cruise. It depends what type of cabin you're traveling in because if you're a suite or mini suite or a regular traveler you tend to get on the ship first. The timing boarding is very regimented. Um, the ship will only have disembarked the last passengers from the previous cruise, cruise by about 11 a.m. Get on as quickly as you can. There's nothing as great as that. Excitement as you walk up the gangway, you walk onto the ship, and then rush around exploring the massive vessel. You won't have to worry about your luggage because it's been whisked away as you pull up to the terminal and taken directly to your cabin. So get around to as much of the ship as you can. They give you great little mini-maps, and ships nowadays are pretty easy to find your way around. So do that while people are settling in, while they're unpacking, or the regulars are in the bars having a drink. Really, really, I would strongly recommend you do that. The next tip I have is book on the late sitting and at as large a table as you can, which tends on most cruises these days to be a table of eight. This was the advice that was given to me, and we followed it every single time. There tends to be a very lively group of people who go to the second sitting. Now, some people argue older passengers, more stayed people go to the first sitting, but I really don't know about that because I've only been at the late sitting. Now the larger table means that you get to meet more people, there tends to be a lot of characters, and even if you don't really click with some of the table, you will, by law of averages, click with others, and there never ever will be a lot in the conversation. Now we were very concerned about, you know, how do you go about drinks, should you buy a round, and we were very pleased, relieved, to find the waiters work out who is with who, which couple is together, who's by themselves, and Everyone buys their own drinks. There's no pressure to share drinks or buy around. Now, the only time on most cruises that you have a set table is at dinner, and the rest of the time you're put at a table with others if you go to the fixed um, seating places to fill up spaces. So you get to meet a lot of people. Now, once you've done it a few times, it can be a bit tiresome because you have the same conversation over and over. But I guess it's part of the experience. That links me to my next tip is talk to people. It's very easy, and it always starts with the same topic. The topic is, so is this your first cruise? Now, whether you're outgoing or not, it's very, very easy on a cruise. There's a sense of community, and there seems to be lots of characters, lots of interesting people. Uh, Now, on most ships these days, there's no class system. So whether people are in a suite or the smallest cabin, they tend to have access and eat in the same places. Now, on the Cunard ships, like the QE2, and the Queen Mary too, this is slightly different because the dining is segmented based on the cabin you're in, so that there tends to be a little bit of segregation there. Now, if you find so that your first cruise is not your favorite start line, what do you think of the ship is the next? And now I'm a relatively shyish person, and it's so easy to chat to people. so that's my next tip. Tip number six is get dressed up. Embrace it all as part of the experience. On the cruise that Mike's going on, there will be at least one formal night with tuxedo. Now, on P&O ships like Cunard, they are strict and people do dress up. Most of the men on formal nights will be in tuxedos and not dark suits. You can hire them before you leave or on the ship. Before you leave is probably cheaper, but I've found actually increasingly places, you know, mass market men's retailers in the UK that would be Next or M&S, end up costing you about the same as hiring now many of the american ships don't seem as strict on formal nights now friends of mine who just got back from holland america which they did like a lot say that at best on the cruise they were on only about 50 percent of people actually got dressed up in tuxedo on formal night which i think is a pity because formal nights are part of the whole shebang part of the excitements so on formal nights make a point of getting dressed up Make a point of going for drinks and just relish that whole feeling. Tip number seven is watch the extras. They can mount up fast. Now although in theory cruising is supposed to be an all-inclusive holiday, it clearly isn't. There's a lot of pressure to get prices down and so it's very easy to find when you're on a ship that you're spending $100, $150 or more a day very easily between two people That's because ships nowadays are working very hard to get you to spend more and more money on the ship, partly I guess to compensate for the very competitive fare structure. Now things like drinks tend to be reasonably priced on most cruises, that I guess is due to the duty free aspect, but everywhere else they'll be trying to get you to spend. So you'll find every time you turn around it feels like the onboard photographers are taking pictures. They are quite expensive to buy. Now, we tend to not really buy a lot of those photographs. We like to buy one of, the, of our table that we're with uh, and take the rest ourselves. And good digital cameras nowadays do a pretty good job. But some people I know really, really like that. Watch out for things like bingo. Bingo now is very expensive. Trips and excursions are not massively cheap. And also consider if you really want to go on an organized trip at all stops or whether it's worth doing your own thing at some. And that, again, is worth researching, chatting on the groups, finding out what people have done because most ships stop at the same kind of ports so people have have pretty good advice. But watch out even the shops. Should you buy a a chocolate bar or something? You sign for it so it's very easy to spend more than you think you're spending. So our tip is watch it and every now and again just go and get a printout. We found the best way to control spending was to get a printout every four or five days and it kind of helps you get uh, things in perspective last cruise we went on the two big things was we used the spa and we actually found treatments are getting very expensive and i'm not sure such good value for money anymore because when on cruises people want to go and treat themselves so i think they're taking uh, liberties there and of course you'd better watch that casino you can sign for up to three thousand five hundred dollars on most cruises so watch it my next tip Tip number eight is stay on the ship at some ports. Now, clearly you need to choose very carefully which ones you you stay on. And again, that's my point about doing some research before you go. Sometimes the ship will dock near the town or if the port is particularly attractive. Then staying on board means that you've got all of the facilities because they're all open, but you have them to yourself and a few others. That's often the day that I go around taking all my photographs of the ship because you can kind of do it without people everywhere. Most liners these days lay on a free shuttle bus to the nearest town centre, so it's easy to pop off when you want to and go and have a look around. The danger of booking tours, in my view, at every stop, is you you end up getting up early every day, hurrying on a tour, hurrying around all day, getting back, getting ready for dinner. And by staying on board or doing your own thing, just help slow the pace down a little bit. You've got more time to enjoy facilities, more time to explore the ship, and importantly, if you're on a warm cruise with lots of children it means you can also get to the pool which is always a a difficult thing to do otherwise. My next tip bring cash for tips. Now the tips are a very important part of the room steward and the waiters. Now most liners do not include tips. Some like Cunard give you the option and other liners will have tips all inclusive so check before you go but most liners tips are not included. Now Pinot, for example, I think are probably the best at explaining it on the ones I've been on so far. They have a In the room, they have a little guide with the recommended amount. They normally give you envelopes to put the tips in to give to the room steward and the waiters. Now, tips are given to the waiters on the last evening dinner, and it's considered a very poor show not to go to dinner on the last night, but you always spot tables, which are clearly avoiding last night, which I think is kind of a pity. It is important because tipping is their main income, and actually, the steward's at the table, the stewards in your room do not earn a lot of money so tips are very important I can't remember the exact amount and there's different recommendations I think it's around about £1.50 so about $2, $3 per passenger per day so you need to give that to the room steward the butler if you're in a suite and the two waiters now the people serving drinks get commissions and, and you never need to tip those and again you might want to check in the groups for your particular liner as well as look in the brochure about what the recommendation is my last tip is there's so much to do on the ship that every evening before you get into bed, get on a marker pen, go through the next day's newsletter, which will be four, five, six pages long. You'll be left at your cabin while you're at dinner and just try and work out and negotiate with your partner or or whoever you're traveling with what you're actually going to do next day. There's events, there'll be talks, there'll be quizzes, there'll be shows, there'll be bingo, etc., etc., etc. So it's always worth negotiating and making sure that you're up on time. There is so much to do. Generally, I say try and see the evening shows in the theatre. A lot of people criticise the shows, but generally it's a young bunch of kind of promising artists. They really do give it their all, and generally they're pretty, pretty good. So those are my tips, Mike especially. Hope that you found those helpful. If anybody has any other tips, you may want to drop me an email and you can get the email address via the the blog. And the blog is mytravelreviews.blogspot.com And I'll put the links to those sites that are recommended. And so, enjoy the cruise. So the last thing I'm going to do on today's show is I'm going to talk about a book on cruising since we've had a bit of a cruise theme. And this ship is called Cruise Ship Blues, the underside of the cruise industry. And it's written by Ross A. Klein and published by New Society Publishers, which you can find more about them at www.newsociety.com. And this is billed as... Revealing the Dark Underside of the Industry. And what it says on the back of the the book here is, author Ross Klein first contrasts passengers' high expectations with the seedier reality of meals, accommodation, and facilities on board. He then explodes the myth of the cruise as an all- inclusive vacation rings the alarm about cruise ship safety reveals the industry's dubious environmental performance exposes the workers experience in those sweatshops at sea and takes apart the industry's consumer-friendly facade and it's described as a harsh critique from a self-confessed cruise junkie in fact his site is actually uh, cruisejunkie.com now this book is okay although, to me, it seemed to be stating a lot of the obvious. And he does tackle those various industries, uh, talks a little bit about you know, how things are not all inclusive, a little bit I spoke about in the tips, but spends quite a lot of time talking about the problems of the environments. And this book is largely involved with uh, various charities to do with the environment and talks a lot about Alaska specifically. It then talks a lot about the way that the very staff, particularly kind of the below the deck, the non-officer, non-senior staff are recruited and how badly they're paid and and their bad work conditions and talks about that in some detail. The other thing which is very interesting is, and I suspect this is where a lot of his venom comes from, is he talks about customer service and talks a lot about the letters that he wrote to various cruise lines, the complaints that he made when he was on board various ships and how he basically got pretty poor service. He does actually though explore some of the various more serious problems. The book is is okay, it feels a little bit fluffy although he's clearly done a lot of research and he does cover those topics. There's another book that I'm reading at the moment which probably does a better job and is probably better researched in my view And it's probably a little bit more comprehensive. But it is an interesting enough book. So it's Ross Klein, Cruise Ship Blues. I bought this off Amazon, so you can get it off Amazon.co.uk or Amazon.com. I will put a link onto my site, uh, onto the blog, if you want to read more about it. And, of course, at the end of the show, I will give you all the various sites and the blog that you can look at. So Cruise Ship Blues, the underside of the cruise industry, Ross A. Klein, for me, gets a maybe. Remember to find out all the links mentioned on the show. Go to the blog at mytravelreviews.blogspot.com. Until then, it's Gary Bembridge saying happy travels.